I'm Carter Manley, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. Morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm your host, Steve McPherson, and with me in perpetuity is my second favorite Williams after Pharrell, Mr. Callum Williams. Cal, is there such a good, uh, sorry, oh man, a lot of pressure. <laughs> I've thought about this question a lot. Wow. Cal, is there such a thing as a good national pizza chain? I will say, before you say anything, I, want you, I don't want you to think I'm setting a trap for you. I will say, for the record, Papa John's, mm-hmm. Domino's, Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, California Pizza Kitchen are all unacceptable, basically hot garbage. And it completely boggles my mind that you can get like workmanlike versions of burgers, fries, fried chicken. Mm. Like, you can get all that stuff at many national chains, but nobody can figure out how to have like a decent sort of chain pizza. Like basically, if you if you wanted to give me, I will take any pizza place that is just one pizza place, right? Over any chain, any day, at any time. I'm a big believer of uh, going local with any sort of food, really. You know, yeah. um, any sort of anything, really. I'm a big believer of supporting local businesses. Um, I there's um, there's one that we have here in the Twin Cities called Black Sheep. Yeah, which I. Black Sheep is terrific. Very much enjoy. Like little local, there's some local change in the in Minneapolis and, Twin, and St. Paul. Black Sheep has like two loca- two or three locations, I think. Okay. Punch has half a dozen locations maybe now. Mm-hmm. Punch is quite good as well, I think. Okay. Um, I'm not a huge Pizza Luce fan. Um, some other food that's not pizza, I think, is, is pretty good. Okay. Um, but... I, it just it's just crazy to me. I understand, you know, we had this discussion in the office the other day, and there was a lot of talk about, you know, well, how late at night is it? <laughs> well, that, yes, yes. You have to answer all these little <laughs> complexities that really do matter, don't they? Sure, <laughs> yes. Um, that, that, that is a big question, Steve, and it deserves a big answer. Um, I, I would say, um, again, yes, a lot of it depends on the situation you find yourself in. Um, but I, I really... There's there's um another local one which I quite enjoy called Seventh Avenue Pizza. I don't think I've had Seventh Avenue. Um, I've found it in uh, a couple of little shops around uh, downtown Minneapolis where, where I live. Okay. And uh, I've always thought they were very very good indeed. So, so is it is it frozen pizza? It's frozen pizza, but you you can oh, find okay. it elsewhere as well. You know, okay. like um they're on Seventh Avenue. Yeah. And, okay. Um, All right. You know, it's uh, it's very good. It's my favorite. Twin Cities pizza. The, the demarcations of frozen pizza are, are another issue, um, which came up the other day in the office, uh, to which I feel like there are some good, uh, solid frozen pizza options, like Connie's is one of my favorites. Uh, okay. which is available at a lot of co-ops. It's, it's a little more organic and natural. Then there's Annie's, which is much more organic and natural, which is also good. Um, there's Home Run Inn, which is one of my favorites from, from Chicago. Uh, but then I also really like your, your just terrible ones, Jack's. <laughs> you know, tombstone. I would prefer those to sort of like the step up, you know? Um, but you know, again, personal taste, uh, you know, everybody can have different tastes, but if you like Papa John's or Domino's, you're just, you have horrible taste in pizza. Um, (sighs) (laughs) that was my hot take. I don't know the hot take soundbar. How about I'll just, I'll just hit the ominous. Yeah. 
You've been waiting for a moment like that, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Just been loitering and waiting for the opportunity. Um, I think... I saw the opening and I went for it. And just look how much it means to me. <laughs> I think... Uh, what? Look, I mean, I'm clearly not a pizza connoisseur as you appear to be. I feel like I am. Pizza I, I'm fairly... Snob, some people yeah. might say. <laughs> I'm fairly... Uh, Fairly acceptance of most pizzas, to be honest. You know, I, I don't mind, uh, don't mind most of them. To be honest, it's funny you mentioned Tombstone as well because, um, and you you put them in the, I, I would probably go as far as you you would say and, and describe them as rancid. I think, yeah, you know, I'm fairly certain that's the word you would use to describe them. Whereas actually, I don't think they're too bad. Actually, I, like I said, I'd rather have straight up Jacks or Tombstone than like whatever the I don't know the Red Baron or something that's like sort of a step Red up. Baron. It's another frozen pizza. Okay. I'm going to do some outlining, maybe a spreadsheet, uh, a Google Doc. We can we can talk more about this later. Let's okay. talk about soccer. Uh, season opening win against mm. Vancouver. First win to open the season. First win against a Western Conference opponent on the road. Um, a lot of exciting things uh, to talk about. I, you know, I think the, the game was very enjoyable. Um, to talk, if my first impression broadly was just how – competent the team felt uh in in possession and in in their patience with the game um i think it came up a couple times in the broadcast kendra brought it up that after things like conceding that early goal what are the next five to ten minutes going to be like and then after uh after the loons scored what are the next five to ten minutes going to be like and it felt like it was there was an even keel to the game that you didn't always feel in previous seasons. I think so. Yeah, I mean, there was times when it felt the, the, the loons were absolutely in control of games that certainly, um, but it just felt like it, there was a, there was a confidence and a sort of a, a calmness to it, which was good given that there were also some jitters that went along with it. But mm -hmm. what were, what were your sort of broad takeaways? Well, like you said, they, they looked very good in possession, but I was actually really impressed with them when they were out of possession as well, because yeah. the shape, they managed it tremendously yes. well. Um, I, I thought, uh, look, we, we all know uh, Romain Metanel was fabulous. He, oh. he really showed what uh, what he's about. And I'm working on an article on him right now specifically just because I just kept getting in the slack with the other guys in the digital team just being like, ah, oh, man, like, he, he man. Was, he was awesome. <laughs> um, I managed to have a quick chat with Adrian Heath after the game as well, and he said uh, he, he was very, very impressed, uh, knew exactly what he was getting. He expected a performance like that. Uh, Adrian Heath <laughs> rather hilariously described him as a horse as well. He said he's one of these people <laughs> where, you know, he, he is, uh, you know, a, a very um, muscular individual. He's yeah. looked after himself. Yeah. But he's got so much pace as well uh, that enables him to go forward and the recovery speed is obvious as well. So Metanel for me was wonderful. Uh, I, I was uh, very, very impressed with uh, Ozzy Alonso. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, Ozzy Alonso, I, I know... Um, uh, Darwin Quintero quite rightly got our Bell Bank Man of the Match. Uh, a lot of people would have voted for Metanero as well. I would have had no problem with that. A lot of people would have said Ico Parra as well, and, and I thought Ike was fabulous. Calvo also. Uh, Calvo was great <laughs> as well. But for me, Alonso, I, I haven't got the stats in front of me, Steve, but I, I saw, um, I, I think I retweeted it on, on Twitter the other day. Statistically, his numbers for that game, Alonso's numbers were, were had, staggering. He had seven tackles. I mean, it, which is a good number. Uh, next, next most was, was was Rass, who had four on our team. Um, on the on the other team, it was I was just I was just writing this, so uh, I'm going to look at it because. Well, well, here we go. So there's, there, there was several that really really impressed me. Wait, so let me finish. Let me finish. Derek Cornelius, oh. top man of Vancouver with tackles, three. Wow. So less than half as many as as Ozzy. Wow. Okay, so the ones that have impressed me, 
He made uh, 80 from 83 successful passes. That's a 96.4% passing ratio, successful passing ratio. That seems good. Uh, that's unreal. Nine duels out of 15 won. Nine recoveries, seven tackles, one interception. The, the, the numbers are, are fabulous. 98 touches in the center of the park as well. Uh, for me, look, this performance, it wasn't without its imperfections across the entirety of the 11. But for me, having someone like Ozzy Alonso, I mean, how, how many... We've been doing this podcast for over a year now, haven't we? And been saying, yeah. how much have we needed a holding midfielder like him? Wait, I got... <laughs> we're members of the, the Holy Midfielders Appreciation Society. Hold up. <laughs> That's the sound for the... Introduce the Holy Midfielders Appreciation Society. Um, we'll use that as much as we can. Yes. Um, yeah, look, Alonso for me uh, is... Um, the, the absolute piece that we've been missing for the last couple of years. And uh, I don't care that he's 33. I don't care that he may have a bit of wear and tear in his game. He's still the best player we've ever had in that position yeah. whilst we've been in Major League Soccer. Yeah. And he's going to be a really vital piece moving forward. Yeah, between him and Ike, uh, you know, it just felt like they just erased so many opportunities. Um, just just so many just so many runs by, by Vancouver that you feel like in previous years might not have been finished. They might have been stopped, but they got stopped so much farther up the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ozzy tracked down so many guys. Like, and Ike was, and again, like you said, there were, there were mistakes. Ike, you know, had, I remember an early miscue where he yep. put it out over the goal line and things like that. In some ways, that's almost encouraged. That, one of the things that was also really encouraging to me is that I didn't feel like anybody was really playing over their heads. Like nobody had, I mean, we had a lot of great games, but it didn't feel like one of those weird games where you're like, oh, you know, somebody had two goals who shouldn't have had two goals or something like that. And yet a lot of the guys are going to get better mm. um, through through time, through chemistry and experience. Jan Gregush, I thought, was fine, but missed some passes, you know, passed into some spaces that it got intercepted. I think part of that way of knowing where your where your guys are, that that number eight role is is difficult, especially for a guy who's new. You know, yep. you're, you're being asked to both – deal with the defense to a certain extent and then get the ball back and then start the offense off in the other direction. And that can be tough. If you're not completely sure about where everybody's going to be, that will only get better. Some other guys like Miguel was also fine, but he didn't, we didn't, I didn't find you saying his name that often. Sure. Say. Sure. Um, boxy, you know, was, was good. And I think that, um, I think the other thing that I've been saying is that when you, and I think this shows with Calvo especially, but in shoring up some of these other positions, it allows some guys to be better. Uh, it's going to, it's going to put less pressure on boxy to stop everything to have Ike with him. Yep. It's going to allow Calvo to go forward when he's got Ozzy behind him. Those kinds of things are going to make those guys games like come alive in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think as well that the one thing which we are going to talk about on our, uh, our pregame show on FSN this coming weekend. So I won't talk too much about it, but uh, a little tease for you psychologically. I wonder how much that victory did for this team moving forward. And and also, I loved Adrian Heath's quotes when Minnesota United went 1-0 down. He said there'd be plenty of people at home who would have thought, oh, no, here we go again. Yeah. And I loved him saying, well, that wasn't the case. We, we knew that wasn't going to be the case. It's just it was an unfortunate mishap at the start. And, you know, in my opinion, I've spoken to him about it. I think Vito Manoni knows he was slightly out of position, you know. And sure. look, as I said, we, we talk about imperfections. Uh, the free kick came from an Ozzy <coughs> Alonso mistimed challenge, you know. So look, we're, by no means am I saying it was, it was a perfect uh, performance from Minnesota United, but they got the job done. The group that we've had over the last two years, I don't think, and I say this with all due respect, I don't think they would have gotten it done. I think what would have happened going 1-0 down that early, people would have started thinking, 
here we go again, you know, and the heads would have dropped instantly. But what we have now, Steve, in all of these new additions for Minnesota United, we have players who haven't been a part of that group, who won't get psychologically sucked into that realm, you know, and they've been used to winning. They've been used to being on different teams that, that don't take any of that nonsense, you know, and they fight back and they win. And I, I look, I thought it was a, a real statement win because let me tell you, mate, being there as well in Vancouver over the, what, the 48 hours we were there, there was so much, so much hype on Vancouver Whitecaps. I know it's the opening day, all that kind of generic buzz that you're going to get anyway. But all the attention was on Mark Dos Santos, the new coach. The array of new players they brought in, 15 new players in, 21 out. That's the largest turnover in a single season in the history of Major League Soccer. <laughs> so there was so much build-up, and Minnesota went there, and they won. Yeah. That says a lot, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that you you saw it on the field um, in a couple places. I think it was after that um, that early miscue by Ike. Like, uh, there was a shot of Roman, like, coming up to him and just putting his arm around and being like, we got this. You know, yep. like, sort of, it's cool. Like, we're back in it. And and to have not just one guy, I mean, because that's one of the things that you brought in this this suite of of guys. I, I would include Metinair in terms of his experience. Um, obviously not in MLS, but he's an experienced player. Uh, Grigush also experienced. But Ike, Ozzy, those two guys who all together are going to have a feeling of we got this. And then you add in a guy like Calvo, who again has, has been a good captain. I think the captain thing is something I want to get into as well, but like he's, um, he's had a lot of fire and a lot of passion. He's also been good out there in terms of like, you know, being the guy to get to the ref and figure things out. But he has also had his share of red cars. He's had his share of like sort of flare up moments. And I think that adding those guys into the mix are going to, uh, make everybody stronger and calmer at the same time. The captain thing I want to bring up, which was I thought was interesting, is that, like, I think we weren't sure who was going to be the captain yep. uh, going into it. You know, and Calvo has been the captain for the past two years. Um, and I think a lot of people, including myself, thought, well, you've got Ozzy Alonso. He's been a captain before. You've got Ike Opara. He's a defender of the year. Like, this is, these are guys who have that pedigree to be captains. Are they going to be, are they going to get the captain's armband? And when Calvo had it, I was like, Oh, okay. And then as I thought about it, I thought this, this is, this is a really smart move. I think, because I think it gives you a, ch I think, I think Calvo's done a good job. First of all, as captain, secondly, it gives you the chance to say, okay, you're still the captain, but we also have leaders on this team mm -hmm. or other leaders. And it gives you another gear further down the line. If that's necessary, if things we're all happy right now, we're all feeling good. We feel good about this team. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be bumps in the road. Sure. If things happen and a change needs to be made, you can still make that change now. You know, you have veteran leaders who are, who are sad, who are, they're, they're confident enough in themselves to say, I don't have to be the captain. I'm not going to try to take this armband. You know, Cowboys got his chance to, to prove again that he'd be the captain of this squad. And if he does fantastic, if, if it doesn't work out, you have other guys that you can change and you can make that change and see what it does to the, to the chemistry of the team down the line. Yeah, it, it does say something about the characteristics of Calvo as well, doesn't it? The fact that we have so many leaders in the team now, that's not necessarily been the case over the last couple of years, but you know, it, it does say something that Calvo has remained the captain. And look, I remember saying it on the commentary that that goal, that performance was a skipper's performance. If ever there is one, you yeah. know, he, he, he led by example, in yeah. my opinion. And I think it was, um, arguably the most abrasive we've ever seen him. Yeah. I mean... Which I really liked. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and look, uh, you know, there are a plethora of, of reasons as to why that would potentially be the case. You know, you could maybe argue that the, the game in Columbus on the last day of last season was also in that category as well. But sure. I think um, 
you know, when he was, there was one stage when he made a marauding run up the left-hand side, um, connected with somebody, I can't remember who it was, and lashed the ball against the crossbar and yep. thought to myself, wow, <laughs> you look a, a really attacking-minded left-back and we've not really seen that from him. Yeah. Um, I, I think the the game in Columbus last year when he scored the two goals, he was slightly erratic. It wasn't controlled. He was just taking matters into his own hands. And, and that's fine to a certain degree. I think this felt very much controlled, as in mm-hmm. he knew when to go, he knew when to press, he knew when to drop back. And, yeah. you know, a, a lot of that... We've talked about this system for the last year or so, Stephen. A lot of it comes down to to the protection that the back line has when the fullbacks go forward. Um, Ozzy Alonso, again, just an absolute right. monster in midfield, a, a key component moving forward. And look how, how abrasive uh, Romain Metanel was as well. We all knew that, that he was that type of fullback. He's a modern-day fullback. But you can't do that successfully yeah. if you don't have protection. Alonso and I, and I saw I, I spoke to Ozzy Alonso, uh, Kendra and I did in, in the hotel um, uh, little cafe in in the uh, the lobby the night before the game and and, and I said to him you know are, are you going to drop as as deep as people expect you to? He said yeah absolutely I'm going to drop in between the two centre backs I'm 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 going to protect them you know we we know how we play we know how the two full backs are, are going to go forward and provide uh, support so uh, again we we have waited to see this system in its entirety work over the last two years. Uh, and again, I say it with all due respect, we've, we've not really had the players or good enough players to do it. Yeah. Now we do. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see how far this can go. Well, and you see, you, you saw how having Metanier and, and Calvo, you know, pressing up on the outside forces teams to make decisions, yeah. you know, which was a thing that I think you saw, you saw Darwin do uh, uh, alone and you saw uh, occasionally, I mean, you saw guys like, like Miguel and, and Angelo sometimes as they got a little bit better in terms of chemistry playing off of him in that way and forcing, you know, like Darwin forced a lot of double teams uh, having to have two guys come to him and that would open up things. But when you start bringing in, fullbacks charging in down the line, suddenly you're just overloading different parts of the field. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, the def- the defense only has to make the wrong decision once out of those times to open up an opportunity that a guy like Darwin is going to take, a guy like Romario is going to take. Like Romario's take, again, it's like, it, you know, was it a beautiful shot? No, but it went in. You know, it's like you got to take those shots. You got to make you got to make the, de- the defenders make decisions mm-hmm. until they make a bad decision. And so it just seems like it's set up for that to be, the situation more often. Let's also, I wanted to touch on Ethan Finley's Finlay. Uh, we found out that it's actually Finlay. <laughs> yes, I don't know. Is, yes. I, I'm shocked after calling him Finley for, and he never said anything. I would no, call him and, that. Uh, and see, this is the thing. So there used to be uh, another Finlay that played for Columbus Crew uh, a couple of years ago. I'm not entirely sure where he is now, but that's when I knew the difference between Finley and Finlay. Yeah. And uh, look, Ethan said, before, call me Finlay. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I said, no, 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 no. You tell me what you want me to uh, yeah, say. Yeah. Um, I'm like that because people call me McPherson because most people pronounce it McPherson. I, it's McPherson is how I pronounce it. But mm-hmm. honestly, I don't – call me whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't care. But let's talk about Ethan Finlay's return because, I mean, he's so fun to watch play. Yeah. And he's so amped up right now. That shot that he took off, you know, the volley off oh. that, 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 high, that high ball. I mean, if that had gone in, that was amazing. But it was one of those moments of like – you're like, okay, just, just calm down. Just calm down a little bit. Yeah, but I, it, it's <laughs> funny, actually, because when Finley hit it, uh, and obviously it, it zipped well wide of the target, uh, Kendra actually grabbed my arm 
because uh, I think we were both ready to explode yeah. in that particular moment, you know, because that would have been absolutely staggering, wouldn't yeah. it, you know? But, yeah. uh, hey, look, it was good to see him uh, running around, um, you know, busy little bee on, on the right-hand side and, and making people uncomfortable, you know? And, and you know, I, I spoke to Adrian over the weekend and he was saying, you know, Ethan's been knocking on my door asking why he's not starting, you <laughs> yeah, know? And, right. yeah. you know, one of these lads that you've just got to, you know, calm it down a little bit, you know? Yeah. But we know what you can offer. We know you're going to be a very, very important uh, figure moving forward for this team. Uh, but, you know, you've just come back off of a very serious injury. Yeah. So let's just let's just calm it down a little bit. Yeah, and it's also right now he's so he's so amped up. He's almost an ideal change-up with, like, 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah, to absolutely. Game, right? Where you're, like, you're bringing a guy and you know he's just going to chew up the turf because he's so excited to be out there and playing yeah. again. Um, and just one of the best guys. Like, he's really good guy, fantastic yeah. to talk to, really thoughtful. Uh, he's done some good work uh, in the booth. You know, he came in uh, yeah. for the playoffs and things like that. So, uh, yeah, but I hope we get a little more a little more soccer out of him <laughs> for a yeah, while. Yeah, for, for a for couple of more years. years here, yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> uh, let's talk about San Jose coming up. Uh, I want to start with the coach. Help us get to know Matias Almeida. What does he have going for him other than the terrific hair? Oh, the hair is <laughs> woo, it's fantastic, I got to say. It's staggering, isn't it? I might ask him over the weekend what products he uses. Um, <laughs> no, he's uh, obviously uh, a very, very well-respected coach in um, uh, within the, the Conan Ball and CONCACAF region. Um, he uh, is somebody who was managed at the very highest level in South America, was... God, for many a years, linked with jobs in Europe as well. I was surprised that he didn't make the jump. Um, I think, you know, obviously winning the CONCACAF Champions League last year and in charge of Chivas Guadalajara, uh, beating Toronto FC, of course. Um, I think everybody kind of thought that he was ready for the for the next step. I, I was certainly within that crowd thinking, right, now he's he's won just about every kid, everything he can, apart from maybe the Copa Libertadores, but... Um, you, you do wonder, is he going to make the leap over to Europe? Is there going to be somebody somewhere that will, will take an opportunity, take a, a chance on him? And then I hear he, at the time, he was in talks with an unnamed team in Major League Soccer. Now, because of his pedigree, straight away I'm thinking, Ooh, uh, you know, is it Atlanta? Is it right. LA Galaxy? Is it, uh, you know, you, you would expect him to be linked with a club of that ilk. And then, and I say this with all due respect, of course, I find out that he signs for San Jose Earthquakes, and I think to myself, what on earth has gone on there? Um, I, I don't know what his contract is. I'm assuming it's very pretty. I know that he has had a very, very positive effect on things. Um, the only thing I'm hearing at the moment is that there is a little bit of unrest because he was promised certain things that haven't been delivered yet. So maybe that's why there was a little bit of unrest on the opening day. Obviously, they lost to Montreal by two goals to one. Mm -hmm. uh, to my knowledge, he was promised the ability to bring in several of his own players. That's not really happened, or at least to the extent he wanted it to. So I think, again, that there's, there is a little bit of unrest at the moment in San Jose, and, and there's, there is perhaps an opportunity to, to go and claim something there. And, you know, they've sort of uh, they've had our number, haven't they, over the last couple of years, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do get the feeling that, that this could very well be the opportunity for Minnesota United to claim a victory at a via stadium. Yeah, you do wonder, like, when, where karma comes around, when when it switches, when you get that. It, it's, it's tough because I, there's there's the part of me that wants, that wants to feel like <clears throat> in sports, 
you know, there's, there's statistics, there's analytics, there's the laws of probability. There's, you know, there's a lot of things to consider. There's a lot of that you can't control. And then there's the part of me that feels that believes in superstitions and, <laughs> you know, still adheres to this thing of like, to, to think back to that San Jose had had four wins last year and two of them were against us in games that, that, that Minnesota United should have won um, by all rights. Uh, it makes you feel like, this win the past weekend is hopefully as a sort of momentum into like, well, now we're going to continue to sort of take our revenge hopefully, <laughs> basically on, 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 on teams. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be tough. I think that uh, I was interested in, I watched some clips from the San Jose Montreal game. The yep. thing that was interesting that a couple of people I saw point out is that um, San Jose's uh, man marking on, on off ball uh, possession when they mm-hmm. didn't have possession was really fun and kind of, you know, like a lot of times when you're watching, I think, you know, soccer is one of those games that obviously it's best in, in person um, on the TV. It can be a little tough because you don't see the players are looking down the field and you don't mm-hmm. always get to see down there. So sometimes as a play comes together, you, you don't always get to see where the defender is or the defender is in a certain line. And then they're sort of trying to gauge how far they are from another defender. San Jose was just like, you know, this is my guy yeah. <laughs> and I am on him. And so anytime the ball was passed up, it's obviously a high risk, high reward. Cause you're, you know, you can get your, leave yourself open in terms of when guys overlap or, or you know, or, or switch fields and mm-hmm. things like that. But, uh, but it is fun to watch because you end up with a lot of challenges. You end up with a lot of one-on-ones um, and that, you know, it could be a bit of a, it could be a bit of tough sledding for uh, for Minnesota United, I think. Yeah, it could, and and they've got some really intriguing individuals as well. Um, I, I would fully expect the centre half duo to be Cashier and and Cummings again, two big burly centre halves. You know, no, no sort of nonsense centre backs, if you will. So, uh, whilst I, I I don't think Adrian will change it around because his his records uh, after victories would would suggest that, uh, and it would make sense as well very much having Romario Ibarra toe the line again and getting behind with his pace. I could also see it being a very intriguing, almost WWE-like wrestling match between those two centre-halves and, and Angelo Rodriguez as well, you know, that they yeah. can match up very, very well. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the one player who I think has gone under the radar for them a little bit as well is the Brazilian midfielder, uh, Yudson, who... Um, I, you know, I, I think he's um, he's been a little bit restricted so far, but but having seen a little bit of tape on him today, particularly as well, he, he looks like a really handy player. Um, Espinosa, the wide player for them as well, looks decent. But the the one which I would encourage people to keep their eye on, obviously Magnus Eriksson scored um, for them against Montreal. But the the one I would encourage people to to keep an eye on uh, is is Chris Wondolowski. And I know it's, it's an obvious thing to say, but <laughs> sure. it's it's just two more goals that he needs to break the all-time MLS goal-scoring record. So one to tie, two to break it. Correct. And, um, you know, obviously we hope that doesn't happen this weekend. Right. Uh, But, you know, for someone like him, you hope he does break it at some stage, you know. So that's a really intriguing storyline to to go into. Uh, Also, in terms of records and goals scored as well, I I have learnt uh, during my uh, preparation over the last day or two, one more goal for Minnesota United and it is the 100th scored in Century Major League mark, Soccer. Yeah. So, uh, you know, look, I see no reason why they won't claim that in San Jose. Yeah. I think the uh, the Romario versus uh, Angelo question is, is an interesting one, especially in this kind of matchup, because it seemed to me sort of, I think you might have, I can't remember if this came up in the broadcast or not, but that, you know, Romario... Romario seemed to be dropping a little, a little too deep oh, for what his, too much, his, too his, much. his play style is like, um, and in some ways it seems like that could fit well if you're playing a team that's going to aggressively man mark off the ball, because that'll give, hopefully that forces him into making runs, mm. right? Like if somebody's too close to him, 
running in behind somebody else, um, finding those spaces as opposed to holding up. But then also you have the appeal of, of Angelo as a holdup player, um, drawing a lot of attention if guys are close to him. So either of those could be interesting wrinkles to see. I would love to see, if Romario starts, I would love to see him play a little more um, speedy. Uh, well, just just so. just press, just just do what you you know that you're up there to do. You know, you've got all these players that are trying to get you the ball, and and I, I you know I, I didn't I pointed it out in the broadcast, but I didn't want to be super critical because he actually had a, a decent game. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there were parts when I kind of I wanted to to throttle him and say, <laughs> Mario, what are you doing? Why are you dropping? Why are you deeper than Darwin Quintero right now? Get up the field toe that line because the ball is going to come to you whether it's over the top or through a gap and you've got the pace to get in behind so why on earth are you dropping right now because yeah. you're forcing Quintero to go behind as well and we need Darwin Quintero in that that little pocket of space there as well so I look I mean as I as I said at the top of the show here Steve uh, the the game the result didn't come w without imperfections and, and that was one that was uh, exceedingly frustrated in my opinion, but I know that, that Adrian Heath has, has been specifically working with Romario. I saw it today on uh, on Tuesday, uh, and and he was telling him, you know, that you, you have to press, you have to press, and I I don't think um, I don't think the San Jose backline will be able to cope with it if he plays it the right way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm also interested to see Nick Lima, uh, who's yep. uh, I, I think, you know. You know, while we might have the Holy Midfielders Appreciation Society. Hold up. Um, I also want to start the the Fullback Appreciation Society. Okay. Because between Calvo, my son, and and Metanier, who I'm really enjoying, fullbacks who are getting forward into the attack are really interesting. And, and Lima was obviously deployed really interestingly in the U.S. men's national team. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, you know, th I'm excited to see that. that, that no, it, it's interesting as well because I called Roma Metanier earlier on a modern-day fullback. But actually... In today's day and age, what we're seeing, and we've really only seen it over the last year, is, is the fullbacks actually tuck inside and become almost central midfielders now as well, which right. is just... I, I hadn't seen it up until last year. Um, I saw uh, Pep Guardiola do it for Manchester City. I then saw in this country Peter Vermees do it with Sporting Kansas City. They did it to great effect against Minnesota United as well. Do you remember that yep. game at Children's Mercy Park where Sonovic and Zusi tucked in? And I lost count the amount of shots that they had and Shuttleworth had to save, you know, because... Yes. I think the, I was at that game. Uh, you probably were, I yeah. I traveled and, for that and one. So, yeah. I, I just, you know, it's a very intriguing new way of, of playing with fullbacks. But, by the way, I meant to ask you, so we obviously have a little jingle for the holding midfielders. Do we have one for the for the fullbacks? We, we don't. We can just use the... <laughs> That's a good Romain Matinier sound. I, I, I kind of just have this image of him just like staring into the camera, just like turning his head slowly right, right. as that music comes on. If you're you know? a left back and you see him in possession, you just... Thinking, oh dear, I'm in trouble, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, Nick Lemieux, we talked about him. All right, yes. let, uh, let's move on to a, a short edition. This, I literally just saw this. This is another a note from the Holy Midfielders Appreciation Society. Hold up. Uh, is... Uh, Gustav Svensson, uh, yes, do we consider yes. him a holding midfielder? Absolutely, we do. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, between yeah. him, Christian Roldan and him, you know, it's a little. Oh, right, but, but Roldan is allowed to venture because of Svensson. Right, right. Okay, so Svensson um, was. Did you see this quote? He was I, asked I about his role. Did, you, you just put this on Twitter, didn't you? Yes, in the Sounder system, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this PG for the kids. Mm. Um, I, he was asked about his role tactically in the Sounder system, and he said, "I have to pick up all the horse." And pretty much cover wherever they're not. But, I mean, I've been doing that my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> awesome quote. Which is, 
which is just fantastic. And yeah. I feel like it gets it gets to the heart of of the holding midfielder. So. Absolutely, yeah. And it's <laughs> you're right. That's come straight from the very bowels of his heart, hasn't it? You know, yeah. that's fabulous. That is. A, look, Svensson's awesome. He's a great holding midfielder. He really, really is. And uh, <laughs> now he's become one of my favorite after that close. <laughs> I, know. I know. Well, I well, I, and I appreciate it because there's guys like I mean, I I love. I mean, we're talking a lot about the fullbacks, but like guys like Calvo and Metanier are like defenders who really want to be attackers, right? But holding yeah. midfielders are just like you have some skill with the ball, you can distribute and things like that. But really, you just want to be in the slob, you know? Like guys, <laughs> guys, you know. And they get you know guys like Diego Chara get like a little more role going forward. But those guys like Diego, like Ozzy Alonso, and yeah. They're just like certain yeah. holding midfielders, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. there, there like are that, some that, sure. that I think you know would, would probably not be out of place if they were driving a Ferrari with silk seats, like sure. Ilya Sanchez. Yeah, for I was going to say Sanchez's. But uh, yeah, the rest of them, yeah, you could certainly see the likes of Ozzy Alonso and Gustav Svensson having a good old scrap in the mud. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. Yeah, like I think that. I mean, we've talked about how there might be times where where you see. Um, Gregush as as more the holding midfielder, depending on like rotations, injuries, sure. depth, things like that. I, I think if you see that, you're going to see a, a midfielder who's a little more on the Elias Sanchez front of more like reading the play, intercepting a little less the the honey badger tackling that that Ozzy <laughs> Alonso is. Um, but you know, it's uh, it, it's. It's exciting, uh, and and we love the role. Are there any other holding midfielders right now who've uh, captured captured your heart? Oh well, um, let me have a little think. Um, I, I, as I said, I'm a massive fan of um, Ilya Sanchez. You know, I, I think he, he's probably the best holding midfielder in the league. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Uri Rosell at mm-hmm. uh, Orlando City as well. He's uh, I saw him in Kansas City, and he was he was awesome. Um, love Mark Anthony K at LAFC. Yeah, I'm really excited to see. I didn't get to watch their. Did he play? Yes, he did. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't get to watch the game, so I wasn't sure. I hadn't checked yet, but um, I really loved, you know, what I saw from him last season. And it was really, really too bad when he got that injury. So yeah, and and the other two that stick out as well right now are uh, Alex Ring at NYCFC. Oh yeah, and uh, a, a personal favorite of mine as well is is Will Trapp at Columbus Crew. I think he's yeah. one of the most disciplined holding midfielders I've I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's also fun too. I'm you know work, I'm working on this article uh, talking about Metinier. I talked to Miggy a little bit today about that relationship between the two of them and and how that's going to play out. It's really fun. Uh, I recommend to anybody, if you, you know, if you're an ESPN plus subscriber, you're somebody who can check this stuff out. You know, once you've watched a game, usually when you're watching a game, at least for someone like me, I'm, I, I'm keeping track of the ball and I'm watching the play develop to a certain extent, but I can't catch everything. It's really fun to go back and watch a game and just watch one player. Yeah, it is. And that's one of those things, again, especially for guys like holy midfielders or fullbacks, things like that. When you realize like, oh, he got all the way, he got all the way up there. Like Mm -hmm. if it's a fullback or, you know, like there, that's where the holy midfielder read the play and fell back to intercept the ball. Things like that. That can be a really fun thing to do to get to know the game is to go back and just say, I'm just going to watch. I'm just going to watch Ozzy Alonso for this whole game, basically. Um, Which when you're recapping a game, doing work like that, you can't just watch one player. But I highly recommend it for anybody. Yeah, it's, it's something that myself and the other broadcasters do actually uh, fairly regularly look at individuals and, and certain plays and, and their positioning and whatnot. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you that I recommend people go and do that for sure. Uh, the only problem that I, I find with it sometimes is that <clears throat> this is getting into the weeds of, of, of analysis. Go on, I like footballing weeds. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's sort of a general sports Weeds, sports weeds. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> um, there can be a tendency when you're watching something where you already know where the result is to draw conclusions 
about why the result happened based on what you think you want to know about the game. Okay. So that can be, you know, it can be a little bit difficult to detach yourself if you're like, well, I, the, you know, they went ahead here and this is where you see the momentum start to build up. But that, that's, you sort of imposing a narrative structure that's like a, like a sort of the way a movie unfolds, okay. which is not all the way that, it's not always the way that, that actual reality unfolds. So I, I just would say, uh, you know, be a little circumspect when you go back and try to be as clinical as possible in watching those games. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like, cause they, I think sometimes you're like, this is the moment when it turned and it's like, was it, or, you know, was it, was it something else? Yeah. You there's know, there's like, so many bits in, in, in all sports, isn't there really? You would know much more than, than I would, but there's so many little uh, intricacies that, that really define a moment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, soccer is, is, Absolutely at the epicenter of that, no doubt. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us for the 47th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Saturday, March 9th against San Jose Earthquakes at 7 p.m. You can watch that game on Fox Sports North Plus and listen on Score North. We're also going to be having a watch party. The official watch party is at the Ooh. Dubliner, oh. which I strongly recommend. The Dubliner is fantastic. It's on University and... Cleveland? No. I like the way you look at me as if I know what as the if answer you know where is. It is. Yeah. I mean, see, I used to live right near there, and I used to go to the Dublin all the time. They have free popcorn. Oh. There is darts. Okay. Uh, it's uh, it's terrific. Uh, I th I believe Summit is the presenter. I think they're gonna have three dollars summits, is what I. Heard. Oh well. So. I mean, what, why wouldn't you go? I I, I saw. Even if um, you hate soccer. <laughs> <laughs> why well, would if, you listen if, to this if, podcast? If you hate though? soccer, then I, I question your brain really and, Van and, and, and how I it works the um the uh, i i saw yes. some of the clips from city works and, and the yeah. watch party on on the opening day and uh it looked fabulous i i hear there was over 350 people there and um you know obviously after the final whistle went everybody sang wonderwall apparently people yeah. from uh from uh, the streets walking around came in to sing wonderwall and, and sure. it was just you know apparently uh, downtown Minneapolis with, with with our official watch party and then the sprinkling of other watch parties, it was absolutely black and blue Minnesotan. So, um, yeah. you know, that that's wonderful to hear and see. That is so, uh, yeah, let, let's do that again. Why not? Yeah, come on out. It's a communal experience. Uh, be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entress. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are.